0: Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to continue a message that I began last week on You Need Vision. You Need Vision. Now, next week, uh, my plan is to start a series of messages on the end times. Uh, with all of the turmoil that's going on in our nation and the COVID and everything, people are like, are these the last days? Uh, you may know this, but 28% of your Bible is prophecy. About 80% of that 28% is end times. It's like now. So uh, we're going to take and take a dive into Bible prophecy. I don't know how many weeks we'll go. You could probably go 50 weeks, and I definitely won't. I promise. I promise. But uh, three, four, uh, we'll just see how that goes. But they are going to begin that next week. But today, I'd like to open our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk, chapter two, verse one. And, and your Bible, your device, whatever it is that you have, or you can just watch right here on the screen. I will stand at my watch, and station myself in the ramparts. And I will look to see what he will say to me. I will look to see what he will say to me. Uh, so often what people are looking for, they are want a word from God. Uh, they want somebody to come up and say, thus says the Lord, and give you a word from the Lord. Uh, but, but notice what he said. He says he's going to look. Now, the place that you need to be looking is your Bible, right? Because that's where God's going to be speaking to you. He's going to speak to you in the word. I'll look to see what he will say to me. Listen, God is saying something to every single one of us. Every one of us have a next step, another step that we can take in the kingdom of God, another step of faith. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 1, verse 17, it says, from faith. faith. What that means is this, that the faith that you start out with is not enough for you to to, to finish your destiny in the kingdom of God. Your faith has to grow. You should be going from faith to faith. God has a step for you. God has a word for you. And and let me just say this. Uh, Something is not right because I think it's right or you think it's right. And it's not wrong because you think it's wrong, or I think it's wrong. It's right if God says it's right, and it's wrong if God says it's wrong. Is, it, is that pretty simple? Now, how many remember those of you that are, are parents? You remember the days when you told your kids something and they said, "Why?" How many remember that? Why? 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 You know. And you would say, "Because I said so." <laughs> Did you know God literally does that? God says, do this. Don't do this. And then this is what he says. I am the Lord. He just says, I am the Lord. It's like, I'm God. I created you. I I said, this is right. This is wrong. This is the purpose for this. This is the purpose for that. And don't misuse it. And then God says, I am the Lord. In other words, sometimes God will explain. Sometimes he just says, because I said so. Uh huh. All right. Verse two. This is where we're going to. Verse two. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now notice it says, write the vision. Write that dream. You know, the Bible tells us in the book of Joel and it's again in the New Testament. It says, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And by the way, it's not talking about being physically old. It's talking about being spiritually mature. But it talks about dreams. It talks about visions. It talks about things that are in our heart. And it says, write them down. You know, it is so interesting to me how easy it is to miss something. You get you get something, and it's there, and you don't do anything with it. You don't write it down. You don't do anything, and you lose. How many ever been there? You lose it. He says, write it down. And again. Uh, it's Mark 11, verse 23, where Jesus said, what things, soever you desire. So often what we really have is a whim. You you could not sell you pray for something and, and two weeks later, you don't even remember you prayed about it. It wasn't really a desire on the inside of you. It was a whim. You're going to have to have something that's going to focus your faith and focus your energy Now, he said, make it plain. Write it down, make it plain on tablets. In other words, you you need to say, this is specifically what I want. This is when it's going to happen. This is measurable. Uh, I I hate to use my example again, but uh, so those of you who were here last week, you know, I had my vision board. I I put up my vision board, and, and, and you remember seeing the dude. Well, he was kind of like this, remember? You're laughing. You remember that, you know, and 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 I've got the, the 190 written on there for, for a while. I just had the number, but I needed to see something. All right. That was plain and I put that number right there and say, here's where I'm going. And I do want to give you a report. All right. I weighed 220. Last week I was 205 and this morning I was 203. So we're making we're making progress. We're going to get there. Right. But it's something it, it's plain. It's something that's easy for me to grab a hold of, right? So you want to write that vision. You want to make it plain that he may run who reads it. Now, the person who's going to read it, it's you, right? But when we don't write something down, we lose our focus. If we don't see it again and again and again, every day I'm standing in front of that vision board and I see it and it motivates me, right? Now, of course, I've got on my board, as I told you, on one side is personal things. On the other side are the things that I have that are my goals for the church. Now, you probably didn't notice it, but as I'm standing in front of it, down on the the right corner, right, there's a picture, and actually it's several pictures. There's a picture of a brown person. There's a picture of a black person. There's a picture of a white person. There's a picture of a yellow person. Right? And, and that reminds me every day of the kind of church that we're supposed to be, the kind of church that we want to have. In Revelation 7, in verse 12, it says that there's going to be people out of every nation, out of every tribe, mentions every tongue. Right? God doesn't, you see, in heaven, it's not going to be all white or all black or all yellow or all brown. We're all going to be together. All right. How many know that's what heaven looks like? That's what the church should look like. Right. I see that every day. So I can pray about that every day. Right. When you don't see something, you can forget about it. But he says, you write it down. So when you see it, he said, you can focus on it. You can run with it. And may I say this? And big visions take more than one person. There's some things you can do yourself, but how many know any big thing you cannot do yourself? You need it. So so it talks about those who see it. They can run with that vision for the vision is yet for the appointed time. But at the end, it will speak. It will not die. Though you tarry, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. People have asked me, uh, uh, did did you vision? Did picture having a large church of thousands and thousands of people? And I say, oh yeah, the problem was not that I visualized it, the problem was I thought it would take two years, not 25. Right? See, we, we tend to think, we tend to overestimate what we can do in the short run, but we, we tend to underestimate what we can do in the long run. And the vision that God puts in our heart is very often not something that's going to take place in a moment. Uh, Joseph is 17-year-olds, uh, and he has a vision. He has a vision of, his, of the sheaves coming and bowing down to him, and it's his father and his mother and his brothers. and you know, it is 20 years later. In fact, it is actually 23 years later, before that vision comes to pass. 23 years. And the Bible mentions this. It says, and he remembered the dream. He remembered the dream. It wasn't something that that he forgot about. He remembered it. Uh, David is 14 years old, more or less. And he is anointed by Samuel to become the king of Israel. Right? Now, for the next week and the next month and the next year, he goes out and he's taking care of daddy's sheep. He's 17. He goes down to the valley of Elah, sees that giant Goliath, goes down, fights Goliath and cuts his head off. Now, he told that, that, that uh, giant, he said, look, he says, you are, you, you are in God, with God, fighting God's covenant people in God's covenant land that he's given to his people. Now, you don't belong here and today you're going to die. I'm going to take your head from you. So The Bible says he takes Goliath's sword, he cuts Goliath's head off, which is, I really think, a great picture of how God wants the church to take the things that the devil meant to destroy us, and we are going to destroy those things that the devil wants to use against us. And it says he takes Goliath's sword and his armor, and he puts it in his tent. And then it says, but he took his head to Jerusalem. Now, those of you who have been to Israel with us on our, on our tour, we, we go through the Valley of Elah, and, and sometimes we stop. That's where he killed Goliath. And, and you can look up on one side, there's the hill where the Philistines are, and on the other side, there's the hill where the Israelites were, and there's a big field down below in this, in this little valley. There's a stream bed that runs through, and, and by the way, sometimes we've stopped, and I've gone down there and got some of those stones, and I brought them back, and Then I found out people have been doing that for thousands of years, and the stones, they actually bring a truck and replace them every so often, so there's stones for you to pick up. You know, it kind of took all the wind out of my sail. I thought I had some of those same old stone, but not, not so. Okay. So he takes the head of Goliath, and he goes to Jerusalem. Now, I am not sure how long a walk it is. We've done it by bus. I think it is a minimum of 10 miles. So he's got the giant's head and he takes it to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is where the Jebusites are. They're the enemies of the Israelites. And this this city is so impregnable that, that they have mocked. And they said, nobody ever is going to be able to get in here. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he did with his head. But if you read ahead, you can get a pretty good idea of what he did. He took that head and he said, hey, hey, you guys up there, you Jebusites, Uh, this guy, Goliath, the big guy, he was over in the valley where he didn't belong. He was on God's covenant land fighting God's covenant people. And you, you are in God's covenant land fighting God's covenant people. And I'm warning you today, get out. Because if you don't, someday I'm coming back and I'm going to take you out. You say, why do you say that? Listen, listen, because 20 years later, he becomes king of Israel. And the first, the very first thing the Bible says that he did was he went to Jerusalem. First thing he did. And he said to his men, he said, uh, whoever goes in and up the water shaft will become general. Now, if you were there, in fact, you can still see this. It, the, the, the wall protected the city. And right outside the wall, there's a little pool called the Pool of Gihon. Now, David is from Bethlehem, which is two miles from that little pool. He's taking care of the sheep. He most likely came down there and watered those sheep. And as a a young boy, you know, we we, we, we like like a little challenge a little bit. I think he jumped in, swam around a little bit and found out that there was an underwater tunnel that went inside the city. And then it opened up to a shaft. Now, in 1870, a guy by the name of Warren found the shaft, right? Right. And it's called today Warnshaft. To climb up, it was not easy. In fact, uh, not about three or four decades ago, they took professional climbers, put them on the bottom, and it took them five hours to get to the top. But David said, uh, whoever will go in that pool, swim underwater, get in there, and then climb up with his sword and his armor, he's going to become general. Right? You know, Joab did it. They took the city. And what David had in his heart at 17 came to pass when he was 37, when he became king of all of Israel. But do you know his becoming king of all Israel wasn't so he could become king. It was so he could do good. Right? The Bible says that he went and he shepherded the people of Israel in the integrity of his heart. He was there to do good. His becoming king was just the beginning of what God had put in his heart. Though it tarry, wait for it. So often we think things are just going to happen so fast, so quick. Uh, Jeannie wants to fix me some food and she wants to cook it. And I'm like, make it. I want it now. You know, we just want, we're just wanting everything instant. right? But that's not usually how it, how it happens. And verse four says this. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. And by, by the way, this is a specific Uh, address about the Antichrist. And then it says, but the just shall live by faith. And we've said it, you go from faith to faith because the faith that you start out with is not enough to fulfill the destiny that God has for you. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, we perish. Another translation says, we run wild. People run wild. Without a vision, they run wild. The ESV says they cast off restraint. They just go in any direction, do whatever. But that vision focuses your energy. It focuses your prayer. It focuses your spiritual life. And I believe that every one of us, we are looking for something to give our life to. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And I mentioned this last week in Genesis chapter 12, God approaches Abraham and says to him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a great nation. And in you, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. He's saying, you, from you, the Redeemer, the Messiah is going to come. Now, Abraham is 75 years old and he has no children. So in Genesis 15, That was Genesis 12. God brings him outside and says, now look towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, God said to him, so shall your descendants be. And then in the 22nd chapter, he takes him outside again. But now it's daytime. And he says, "Uh, look at the sand. He says, so shall your descendants be. So he's living out in a desert. All day, do you know what you see? Sand. He's living out in the desert and all night. What do you see? Stars. Whether it's day or night, he keeps on seeing. God has promised me my descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky or they're going to be like the sand that's on the seashore. You see, you will not go someplace on the outside that you don't first go on the inside. First, you see it in your heart. Because as a man or a woman thinks in your heart, So are you, right? And you constantly, you're moving towards your dominant thoughts. That's why it says in Philippians, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things have a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, right? We want to be sure we're thinking about the right thing. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, The glory of the Lord. And by the way, James tells us that the scripture is the mirror. It's the mirror, right? So we're beholding in scripture. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. As we are looking in that word and seeing who God says you are, what God says you can do, what God says belongs to you, that will transform you. Right? And it's when you continually see it. He says, we're, we're looking. We're seeing that. Right. Uh, in Revelation chapter seven. Again, I, I mentioned to you, the Bible tells us that there's going to be people there before the throne, every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. Right. And I, I want to see that every day because that's where I believe God has called us to go as a church. And, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't want an all white church. All right come on. I want to want an all black church or an all brown church. I want a rainbow church. I want a church like heaven, you know, and and listen, if, if you don't want a church like heaven, listen, listen, you need to pray that God will enlarge your circle of love. Pray that God will enlarge your circle of love. Don't be, don't be just us, us, me, my wife, our two kids. Us four, no more. Acts two, four. You know, I mean, like, no, 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 no. All right. Now, the Bible talks so much about the things that you and I speak, the things that we say. And and actually, it's in Proverbs six. It says that you're snared by the words of your mouth. Now, you're snared by the words that you speak. But you can be sneered by the words that you're going on on the inside. How many of you know that every one of us have self-talk? You're talking to yourself. You know, I'm so stupid. I'm an idiot. Why did I do that? I'm never going to succeed. I'm never going to have this. I'm never going to get delivered. I'm never going to get free. How many of you know that's the wrong talk? That's the wrong talk. In fact, in Isaiah, it says that every tongue that rises up against you, it says you shall condemn. In other words, when, when somebody comes along and says, oh, that COVID is going to get you. And you just go, no, it's not going to get me in Jesus' name. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Somebody says, oh, you're never going to succeed. You tell him, no, 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 no. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God is going to see me through. He's going to give me victory. He's going to see me through. You see, it's true when somebody says something about you. But if you've got that wrong stuff going on on the inside of you, you see, you need to correct yourself. Right? It's one thing to stop saying the wrong things. It's something completely different to a whole nother level to start saying the right things. Right? We got to stop the wrong. We got to get to the right. Right? That that oh, I'm never gonna pay off my debts, all that stuff. No, you don't you don't go there. You don't go there. You condemn that. All right. And remember, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. And, and uh, I want to encourage you, uh, both for your spiritual life and your natural life, get some things written down. And if you want to take it one step further, get some pictures, get, get yourself a board that you're going to stand in front of every day and, and, and see those things. You, know, you say, well, I need a new lawnmower. Put it up there. You want to take a certain vacation, do it. You want to write a book. Uh, you need a new refrigerator, whatever it is, put it up there. Put it up there. I got a personal side. I've got a ministry side, a kingdom of God side. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. A little boy in the sixth grade named Steve, who came from a low-income family, wearing hand-me-down clothing and suffering from a stuttering problem, was sitting in a class and his teacher gave them a new assignment. She asked the class to write down what they wanted to be when they grew up. Stevie had seen a man on television who was very funny. And that became his dream. He decided he wanted to be on television to make people laugh. The teacher began calling out students' names and sharing with the class what they'd written down. When she came to Stevie's Stevie's paper, she stopped. Little Stevie, come up here in front of the class, she said. Proudly, Stevie walked up in front of the class thinking she was going to encourage him. Why did you write that on your paper, she asked. Because I want to be on TV, Stevie said. The teacher said, who do you know on TV? Has anybody in your family ever been on TV? Stevie said, no, ma'am. Has anyone in your family ever been on television? Well, no, no. The teacher told him to take his paper home and to write down something more realistic. Stevie was confused because up until that moment, no one ever told him he could not, what he could or could not become. That very night, Stevie shared with his father what happened in school, showing in the paper where he had written down his dream. His father advised him to read the paper every morning before school and every night before bed. And thank God that one day he'd be on TV. Years later... He did that. Today, Stevie Harvey is on television every day, making people laugh. It was a dream that he kept in front of himself, kept it in front of himself. All right. The tragedy of life does not lie in not reaching our goals. The tragedy lies in not having any to reach. It isn't a calamity to die without your dreams fulfilled, but it's a calamity when we never dream. It's a calamity when we never dream right? And, and for every single one of us, God has things that he wants to put on the inside of us that have to do with the kingdom of God, right? We need to see the vision, dream the dream that God has for us. And again, I want to encourage you, write some things down, not too many, maybe five at the very most, 10 things that you can focus on, that you can pray about, that you, you can meditate about, you can talk to God about those particular things. Again, remember, Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, the reason it's important is because you will move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. You will move there. You will not go on the outside before you go on the inside. Listen, nobody just commits adultery. Hello? You thought about it first. You went there in your mind before you ever went there in person. And it's true. the, the, The prophet Elijah, God comes to him and says, go to Ahab, that wicked king, and say, there will be no rain and no dew these years until I say so. Well, he goes, the king thinks he's crazy and lets him go. But as the months pass and there's no rain and there's no dew, they're looking for him. But God said, go hide by the brook cherub. He said, every morning, a raven is going to bring you bread. And it's going to bring you meat. Every night, that same raven is going to show up with bread and meat. He goes, the raven is feeding him supernaturally. The brook dries up and then God says, go to Seraphat. I've commanded a widow woman there to provide for you. He gets to the city. She's, she's literally going to cook her last meal. She says, I have just a little flour and a little bit of oil. He said, Go. Make a cake for yourself and your son, but make one for me first. Because if you do, the Lord says, your flour will not run out and your oil, that cruise will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. She does. And they have a continuous, they didn't have a one-time miracle. They have a continuous miracle. Every day she puts her hand in that flower. There's more. Every time she turns that cruise of oil, there's more. And then God says, go show yourself to the king and bring all the false prophets of Baal to Mount Carmel. Have them kill a sacrifice and have them pray that Baal send fire. You build an altar, put your ox on there and pray that I send fire. Well, he told those false prophets, you're 450. Why don't you start? So they're going And, and, and I think he had a bit of a sense of humor because he said to him, hey, he said, uh, hey, hey, yell a little louder. Maybe he's sleeping. And maybe your God's on vacation. And, and if you, you, you get and look in the Hebrew... He actually says, uh, hey, maybe he's in the restroom. I mean, he's like having fun. All right. And then he prays and you know what happens. Instantly, fire falls. He kills the 450 prophets of Baal. He goes up on top of Mount Carmel. Right? We've been there many times when we go to Israel. He prays. A cloud comes out of the sea. And it begins, it gets dark and there's lightning and it begins to rain. And the Bible says the spirit of God, the hand of God comes on the prophet and he outruns the king's chariot, 18 miles to Jezreel. And then that wicked prophetess or queen, whatever you want to call her, she sends word and she says, by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. I want to quote King James Bible, the one Paul used. When he saw that, when he saw that, when he pictured in his mind what the queen had said, the Bible says he turned and he ran into the desert for three days. See, when the fear got a hold of him, suddenly he moved in a different direction. How many of you think he was having a good day? Fire coming down from heaven, killing the false prophets, outrunning the king's chariot. It was a good day, right? But when he changed what he thought, he changed what he did, right? And that's why the Bible says that you and I are transformed by changing the way that we think, all right? Oprah wrote this. She says, growing up in rural Mississippi at a time when we were called colored people and my grandmother was a maid, That's all she ever knew. The only real expectation she ever held for me was that one day I too would become a maid. And in her words, that's some very good white folks, meaning people who would not speak negatively about her, who would allow her to take food home, who would be good to me and treat me with some level of dignity and respect. That was my grandmother's dream for me. But I had another dream for myself. I had more than a dream for myself. I had a belief for myself. I remember watching her hanging clothes on the line one day and her saying to me, you have to watch me, Oprah Gail, because one day you'll have to do this for yourself. And knowing inside myself that that was not going to be my life. I didn't know how I knew other than that, that thing that we all have, intuition or an instinct that said, no, that will not be my life. But because I sensed that, and was connected to that. I knew that I will not be hanging clothes on the line in a backyard in Mississippi. And that belief that would not be my life is what I held on to for the longest of times. I just, no matter what, believed that there was something bigger, greater, and more for me. Listen, I believe there's something bigger, something greater, and something more for you. In fact, I don't believe it. I know it. I know it. I believe it. You're a part of the kingdom of God. You're a child of God. You're a part of the church that Jesus is building. Now I want to just close with, with one more, one more story. Uh, Art Linkletter. I remember Art Linkletter, all you old people. Well, Disney and Art Linkletter were friends. He said, uh, that, that, uh, Walt had a, had a dream, and uh, he took his friend, out, Art Linkletter, for a ride out in Orange County. And uh, Art Linkletter recalls, he said, we went and we went and we went and we went down through the Orange Groves and finally came to a place where it was going to be. And I couldn't believe my eyes because we were so far from downtown Los Angeles. And it was so small. The communities in those days were so small. And I thought, my gosh, to put a bunch of merry-go-rounds in the middle of a cow pastor, this is ridiculous. As we walked around the property, Walt described in glowing detail the various lands of his park, fantasy land, adventure land, tomorrow land, and more. Then Disney advised Art Linkletter to buy property around the park and sell it to developers. He says, you will make a fortune. (laughs) But Art Linkletter failed to grasp Disney's vision. And he said, no, thanks. He said, looking back, he said, that decision cost me dearly. He said, I feel I lost $3 million for every step I took on that property that day. (laughs) A few years later, Walt Disney envisions another even larger theme park. He laid the ground dirt, but died in 1966, almost five years before the opening of Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. On the day the new park was opened, a visitor commented to Mike Vance, creative director of Walt Disney Studios, isn't it too bad Walt Disney didn't live to see this? Oh, but he did see it, Vance replied. That's why it's here. That's why it's here. Your vision is your future. Your vision is your future. And you keep moving in the direction of your dominant thoughts. So do what the Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 8. Guard those thoughts the things that are good, the things that are true, the things that are right. And and don't let that self-talk literally from the enemy come in because you are who God says you are and you can do what God says that you can do and you have what God says that you can have. And it's the enemy that tells you, oh, you are nothing, you have nothing, and you can do nothing because in Christ you can do what God puts in your heart to do. Okay, would you please bow your heads for just a moment? I was thinking about the words of, of Jim Elliott. Those of you who don't know, he was a missionary in South America wanting to reach an unreached tribe of people. They landed a small single engine plane right next to a river on a, on a sandbar. And he was martyred along with several other missionaries. As he was graduating from high school, this is what he wrote in the yearbook. It is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Do you know when you give your life to Jesus, you are going to gain something that is more important than anything in this world, anything that this world has to offer. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want a new start. I want a new life. I want chains that are on my life to be broken. I want the pain, the hurt, the fear, the rejection. I want to be healed. And Jesus said, I have come to heal the broken hearted. See, you can give Jesus your life and you may lose it. But let me tell you something. You're going to gain something that you can never, ever lose. Being a part of his family, being a part of an eternity in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. That means that you cannot do the right things, be good, and save yourself. I cannot be good and save myself. In fact, Romans 3 verse 20 says that no one has ever been made right with God by being a good person. But Jesus said, I'm the way, I came, I went to the cross and shed my blood and paid for your sin and paid so that you could have a relationship with God. So if you're away from God, you don't know where you stand with God. You say, I want to get right with God today. I'm going to ask everybody, take one hand and place it over your heart, lift your other hand towards heaven and let's pray together. I want you to make these words your own, but say this out loud, say, Oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. I will live for him every day. I thank you I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.